Chapter Twenty One of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Twenty One. Miss Brotherton exerts her eloquence, and Nurse Tremlett is brought to reason thereby. The heiress hardens her heart and speaks harsh truth to Martha Dowling, but all in vain. She conceives a project and sets about putting it in execution with great spirit. Well, my dear Mary said mrs tremlett on sitting down tete-a-tete -tete with miss brotherton after their return from fairly don't you think that you will come at last to confess that i was right when i told you that you had better let things alone and not attempt to make any fuss or stir about these factory goings-on mary looked sick at heart and only shook her head in reply why what have you gained my dear child by all your labour and pains to get information as you call it you are looking as white as a sheet your eyes are sunk in your head when i look at you instead of the smiles you used to give me i get nothing but sighs and all for what can you in honesty and truth say that you have gained anything worth knowing by following your own opinion instead of mine what good in the world can you do dear by listening to all the shocking stories that clergyman there told you i dare say he is a very good man and he looks like it but upon my word i think he is doing nothing but just wasting his time as well as yourself for though i sat and said nothing as of course it was my place to do i listened to every word and it is just because i believe every word was true that common sense makes me see there's no good to talk about it indeed and indeed my darling i would not make free to talk to you in this way which looks for all the world as if i was taking advantage of your goodness to me if i did not see that you was going the way to torment yourself for everlasting without doing one bit of good to any one for how my dear can you or that good clergyman either hope to put down all the wicked doings he told about and to be sure he said as much himself didn't he miss mary then do make up your mind to be quiet and happy and let things that you can't mend alone put as many children to school as you like my dear and you may give them a pretty neat uniform you know and that will be a pleasure for you to think about and to look at but for pity's sake my dear dear child give up at once and for ever this bothering yourself for everlasting about the factories which you can no more stop mary than you can stop the sun from rising in the morning and setting at night here the good woman ceased and looked with some anxiety in the thoughtful eyes of her young mistress she felt that she did not understand their expression and no wonder for mary brotherton herself sat silently doubting how she should answer her a languid feeling proceeding partly from fatigue and indisposition and partly from the discouraging conviction that she had no very satisfactory arguments by which to rebut her old friend's charge of useless devotion to a hopeless cause made her some minutes unwilling to speak at all then came a somewhat peevish wish to interdict for ever the discussion of the subject between them but as she raised her eyes to utter it she encountered a look of such humble love deprecating her displeasure yet fondly clinging to the freedom which risked the incurring it that her purpose suddenly changed and instead of the chilling command she was meditating she threw her arms round the old woman's neck exclaiming oh my dear nurse how much how very much you must love me since care for my already too much cared for peace and quiet can harden such a heart as yours towards all the sufferings we have this day heard recounted thank god you are not angry cried the affectionate old woman kissing her and then arranging the neglected ringlets of her pretty charge and looking cheerily in her face she said now then mary 
i won't tease you any more about it you are so sweet and so gentle to me that i am quite sure you will not long think my heart is hard and then by degrees you will find out that i am right and then all will go well again and i shall see my dear girl look like herself once more nurse tremlett the time is already come when the impossibility of my efforts being of any avail to stem the torrent with which avarice and cruelty are overwhelming the land is made evident to me so much dear nurse i concede to you and therefore on that point we will argue no more but my dear old woman have patience with me if i tell you that there are some points on which my reading may have given me young as i am as much or even more information than your experience has given you you have heard of the slave trade nurse tremlett you have heard more than one excellent charity sermon preached in aid of the funds that were to assist in freeing these poor helpless black people from the tyranny of their masters and i suppose you know that it is now unlawful to buy and sell these poor creatures and how do you think this happy change in their favour has been brought about by the king and the parliament miss mary making that most good and righteous law replied nurse tremlett and how were they persuaded to make that law think you demanded mary i can't tell how that was brought about my dear i suppose it was because they saw that it was right and fit it was brought about nurse tremlett by the voices of the people of england which were for years raised quietly and with no breach of law or order but with patient and unshrinking perseverance against this great sin till the lengthened cry could be no longer resisted and the law they perseveringly asked for was granted to them do you think nurse tremlett that if during these years of orderly but steady remonstrance every englishman and woman had acted upon the principle you recommend and had turned their thoughts and their conversation from the subject of negro slavery because each one knew that he or she individually possessed no power to stop it do you think that if such had been the system acted upon england would now have to boast of having abolished this most wicked traffic perhaps not my dear i think i understand you now replied the honest-hearted old woman eagerly then now my dear old friend we shall i think never have any more disputes upon this subject you i every servant in my house every acquaintance i have in the world may aid and assist in putting an end to this most atrocious factory system which ought to weigh heavier upon every christian english heart than ever the slave trade did if the whole british empire nurse did but know what we were about here if the facts we heard from mr bell to-day were but impressed upon the minds of all my fellow-subjects as they are on mine the horrors he detailed would cease before another year was come and gone god forbid then my sweet child that i should ever more raise my sinful voice to drown your righteous one i have been a vain self-sufficient old woman my dear mary and clearly have been talking a great deal about that of which i know nothing only don't think i am cruel and hard-hearted for though i do as you truly say though i do love you very much indeed i am not such a wretch as to hear all we were told to-day without wishing to mend it this was the last time mary brotherton had to do battle with her nurse on the subject of the factory system once awakened to the sense of its tyranny and injustice and made to feel that the only hope of remedy lay in the possibility of universally raising british feeling against it there was no danger that the right-hearted old woman would ever again turn with indifference weariness or displeasure from the theme her young mistress felt that she had touched the right string and that she should never again have to fear discord where it was so essential to her comfort to find harmony this change was really a comfort and she felt it to be so 
removing as it did one irksome feature from her situation and for a few minutes it cheered her and she said so cordially but the next a pang shot to her heart as she remembered that this assurance of accordant counsels with her venerable nurse could avail her nothing in the most painful of all her difficulties for it promised no help either in obtaining light upon the mystery of poor michael's abode or in the still more pressing embarrassment of confessing to his unhappy mother and brother the impossibility of obtaining it yet this painful task must be performed and that without delay for well she knew that every hour that passed without their seeing her would be rendered dreadful both by the agony of fear and the sickening hot and cold fits of uncertainty but never had she felt herself so very a coward as while meditating this visit of the morrow she saw in imagination the eager questioning of edward's speaking eyes and the heavy glance of his mother anticipating the worst she had to tell sometimes she thought she would await the coming of the boy to take his place in the school and let him report the failure of all her inquiries to the poor widow but there was a selfish cowardice in this which instantly struck her and she seemed to hate herself for the suggestion for above an hour after she had laid her head upon her pillow these thoughts kept her painfully awake and it was only after deciding that she would once more see martha dowling and try the effect of repeating to her but without quoting her authority the dark hints she had listened to respecting sir matthew's possible motives it was only when her restless thoughts had fixed themselves on this that she at length closed her aching eyes in sleep above an hour before the usual hour of rising mary brotherton was already at her writing-desk the idea of going to dowling lodge and encountering the knight and his family was intolerable and she had therefore recourse to her pen as the means of obtaining the interview she wished for without paying for it the penalty of such a visit she wrote as follows my dear miss martha i trust you are too good-natured to be angry with me even if you should think that i am taking a great liberty with you but the truth is that i much wish for the pleasure of seeing you and yet am too idle this morning to venture upon a drive will you then have the great kindness to pass the morning with me here i send my carriage lest lady dowling should not have one at leisure to send with you believe me my dear miss martha yours very sincerely mary brotherton having written folded and sealed this epistle mary recollected that it would be impossible to send it for at least four hours and she smiled first and then sighed as she thought of the restless but useless activity which had caused her so needlessly to forestall her usual hour of rising it would in truth have been better for her poor girl could she have slept through the time for her waking thoughts had little that was pleasant to rest upon even the commencement of edward's studies to which she had before looked forward with great delight now recurred to her only to bring the recollection that if she saw him his thoughts would be neither of his new clothes nor his new books but of michael and of her promise to get tidings of him for his sake and for her own too she determined at least to escape this interview feeling that it would be better for all parties that no tidings should be delivered to both mother and son at once which could be done after his school hours by her driving to hoxley lane after she had taken martha home in pursuance of this resolution she walked to the schoolhouse renewed her orders that the greatest attention should be paid to the new scholar edward armstrong and care taken that if he were found backward for his age he should neither be laughed at nor chide she then left a message for him stating that she should be engaged all the morning but would see him at his mother's house after he left school at eleven o'clock miss brotherton's equipage set off for dowling lodge bearing her letter to martha and the interval till its return was an anxious one first she felt doubtful if her unusual invitation would be accepted 
and if it were she felt more doubtful still as to the nature of the scene which must follow nothing short of her earnest wish to redeem her promise to mrs armstrong could have given mary courage to do what she now meditated she entertained not the slightest doubt of the intrinsic excellence of martha dowling all she had ever seen of her and still more all she had heard from the armstrongs convinced her of this and to pain her therefore particularly in that most tender point the exposure of her father the tremendous effect of which upon her mary had already witnessed was one of the very last measures she could have been led to adopt but a strong and stern feeling of justice urged her not to shrink from this it was evident from the statement of mrs armstrong that martha had been actively instrumental in sending michael to his present destination let it be where it might and painful or not painful it was unquestionably right to make her understand the doubts that existed as to the boy's well-being in order that she might avail herself as she was bound to do of her access to the only person who could explain the transaction having screwed her courage therefore to the strictness of examination necessary to her most righteous purpose mary left her boudoir in the possession of mrs tremlett and repaired to the library to await her guest nor did she wait long almost before the time arrived at which she had calculated that the carriage might return the great house-bell gave signal of a visitor and the next moment martha dowling stood before her the two young girls shook hands and each observed that the other looked paler than she was wont to do the heart of mary sank within her as she marked the expression of martha's countenance not only was it pale but most speakingly anxious and in addition to her usual shy and reserved manner there was an appearance of uneasiness and almost of fear as she thought which seemed to tell her that her object was suspected nor was she wrong in pursuance of a promise given to michael martha had visited the widow armstrong and the intense anxiety under which she found her suffering respecting the destination of her boy awakened for the first time in her own mind a shadowy suspicion that all might not be right concerning him the pang this cost her was terrible good and kind-hearted as she was there was no strength of fibre in martha's character which might enable her to brave everything rather than remain in doubt she loved her father fondly but she feared him more and the stronger her suspicions grew and unhappily the more she meditated the more they strengthened the less power she felt either to refute or confirm them the note of miss brotherton was delivered to her at the family breakfast-table and the instant she read it the truth suggested itself to her mind had she been a free agent the wounded shrinking spirit of the poor girl would have certainly led her to invent some excuse for refusing an invitation so full of terror but she was not what's that about martha said sir matthew holding out his hand for the note it is from miss brotherton muttered martha as she resigned it to him mercy on me exclaimed her eldest sister what a wonderful fancy miss brotherton seems to have taken for martha i do think it is the very oddest thing i ever heard of what a goose you are my dear not to understand it observed miss harriet the second sister giving at the same time a very significant glance towards her brother augustus but good gracious retorted miss arabella why might not any other of us do as well it would seem so much more natural in such an elegant and fashionable girl as she is she is afraid of us bella replied miss harriet tittering sir matthew who had not only read the note but contrived to hear all that his two eldest daughters said concerning it here burst into a laugh said a thief to catch a thief hey harriet come martha start away you have finished your breakfast long ago i won't have the carriage kept waiting 
must i go papa said poor martha turning very pale must you go and with that die away look too why martha are you jealous because some folks fancy that the young lady wants to make friends with you for more reasons than one i would a great deal rather not go papa replied martha in a beseeching accent martha i shall be in a downright passion with you in half a minute upon my honour i never heard anything so cross-grained and unsisterly in my life go this moment and get on your bonnet and remember if you please from first to last to speak of your brother as a sister ought to speak and if she hints anything about his having flirted a little with carrie thompson be sure to say that he only did it to laugh at her as he spoke these words sir matthew rose from the table as if to accelerate the movement which was to send her off martha listened to him with the habitual reverence which she ever bestowed on all he uttered but shook her head as it seemed involuntarily as he concluded why you don't mean to say he was in earnest you good-for-nothing spiteful girl cried lady dowling suddenly rousing herself from the dignified apathy in which she usually indulged what a shame cried one sister that's too bad cried the other just like her though sneered mr augustus hold your tongues all of you said sir matthew i know martha better than any of ye trust me for that and what i bid her do that she will do and nothing else run away martha don't mind any of em thus urged thus goaded to the interview she dreaded martha hastened to leave the room but ere she passed the door something at her heart told her that her best course would be to take her father apart and tell him all she turned back to look at him but met a frown so strongly indicative of growing impatience at her delay that yielding to the sort of slavish feeling in which she had been nurtured she hurried forward to obey him had she possessed greater moral courage many subsequent events would have been different after the first salutation was over miss brotherton making a strong mental effort to subdue her agitation of which she was infinitely more capable than her companion begged her to sit down and then placing herself where she could have as a commentary on what she might induce her to say the advantage of watching her countenance she pronounced in a voice that she in vain laboured to render steady my dear miss martha i have suffered a great deal of uneasiness since i last saw you respecting the little boy for whom concerning whom i mean michael armstrong martha his mother is very wretched because she cannot discover to what place he has been sent and i nothing doubting that it would be perfectly easy to learn this from you rashly promised that i would obtain this information can you dear girl tell me more upon this subject now than you could when last we met i cannot miss brotherton replied martha dowling in a voice so low and husky as hardly to be audible but with a complexion and features that spoke so plainly what was passing in her heart that mary felt ashamed of having placed herself where she could so distinctly read all she suffered and leaving her chair to share the sofa on which the poor girl was seated she took her hand and said my poor dear martha it would be better for us both that i should speak sincerely i have become acquainted with an individual martha who knows more much more than either you or i can do my dear girl respecting the factories those great magazines of human life and labour by which your father and mine also have grown from poverty to wealth this person martha on my questioning him respecting the probable destination of a child so circumstanced did not scruple to reply that if his master were displeased and wished to be rid of him there were places factories mills dear martha where the business was so managed as to render labour very heavy punishment and where it was easy to keep children ay hundreds of them unseen and unknown for years 
do not tremble thus dear martha do not draw your hand away from me most sure i am that your heart and my heart must beat in sympathy on such a subject as this let us be mutually sincere and we may help each other to undo whatever wrong may have been done we know we both well know that your father was displeased with this poor widow's son we know too that he is a person of great power and influence the boy is gone he will not tell us where what is the inference turn not from it martha dowling turn not from it my poor friend but boldly and honestly seek out the truth and let me know enough of it to save this helpless child from further suffering i have no means miss brotherton faltered poor martha if all your dreadful thoughts were true which you have no right to think they are and still less have i but if they were true all true i have no means to know it if you have any reason to believe them true said mary solemnly means must be taken martha dowling to stop further wrong and this can only be by learning where michael armstrong has been sent i apply to you for this with great reluctance because i know the subject cannot be brought before you without causing pain but i feel it my duty not to shrink from this and it is yours my dear girl to obtain the information i require but if i agreed with you in this miss brotherton what are my means of obtaining it beyond your own said martha rousing herself and feeling renewed courage from remembering that there was no proof whatever of the boy's being otherwise than well and happy nay martha returned the heiress gravely amongst those engaged in your father's service you can hardly be at a loss to find some one who must have been employed in removing him and would you have me replied the poor girl indignantly would you have me tamper with my father's servants in order to obtain a knowledge of what it may be his will to keep secret miss brotherton i would rather die than do so i honour your filial feelings martha and grieve to think that you are placed in circumstances which must compel you to make them secondary said mary gently nothing can make them secondary retorted martha warmly i love my father and i hold my duty to him the first and the highest i have to perform on earth save only what you owe to your own soul martha dowling replied mary had you been yourself for nothing in this matter i might think as you do that your duty as a child must prevent your interfering in it though even that i suspect would be but doubtful morality but martha the case is otherwise it was by your influence that this helpless widow was induced to send her child away she did not trust your father but she trusted you do you not know martha that i speak the truth and if i do can you for an instant doubt that your first duty is to redeem the pledge you gave to this poor trusting creature who hazarded all that was dearest to her in life upon your assurance a passionate burst of tears that seemed rather to convulse than relieve the bosom on which they fell was the only answer mary received to her cogent reasonings and so evident was the suffering of the innocent culprit who appeared writhing under the discipline she inflicted that nothing less deeply impressed on her heart than was the remembrance of edward and his mother and the grief that threatened to destroy them both could have given her courage to persevere martha dear martha be reasonable cried mary throwing her arms round her if you knew what i suffered in making you suffer you would pity me but i have no choice left me i am not a free agent martha any more than you are we are both bound in honour honesty christian faith and christian mercy not to let any feeling stop us till we have restored michael armstrong to his mother restore him sobbed martha 
alas miss brotherton the poor woman herself has prevented the possibility of that do you not know that he is apprenticed let us but know where he is martha and if the situation be one that his mother can reasonably disapprove there can be little doubt but means may be taken to release him teach us but where to find him dearest martha cried mary fervently and we will all pray for blessings on your head i cannot do it replied martha with a sigh that very nearly approached a groan how know you that you cannot martha will you not try to learn this cruel this nefarious secret no i will not miss brotherton replied the unhappy girl with sudden firmness if any wrong has been done to this boy i know that it must rest upon my head so let it the remembrance of it may bring me to the grave and there i shall find mercy and forgiveness but it shall not place me in rebellion to my father nor force me to reveal any secrets which it may be his pleasure to keep now let me go miss brotherton i doubt not you have acted according to your sense of duty and so have i in this at least we are equal pray let me go i am not well and greatly wish to be at home mary looked at her with surprise and almost with terror she was as pale as death and shook as she stood up before her as if she had been seized with an ague fit alas martha she exclaimed i have made you very miserable and very ill yet have gained nothing by it you shall go my poor girl you shall go instantly but ere we part let me implore you to examine in silence and alone the question of right and wrong in this case paint to yourself the misery of the wretched mother and remember that yourself i must say it though i wring both our hearts as i do it yourself martha dowling are the cause of it you have said enough miss brotherton to destroy my peace for ever replied the miserable girl but not enough to make me act as a spy upon my father farewell do not let us meet again it is too painful without waiting for an answer martha dowling wrapped her shawl about her and hurried to the door the carriage is not waiting miss dowling said the vexed and disappointed mary who had gained nothing from this painful interview but the conviction that the well-intentioned but erring martha was as much persuaded of the boy's having been unfairly dealt with as herself let me order the carriage for you no no i cannot wait i can walk i know the way indeed i can stay no longer replied martha hurrying on and closing the door of the room after her and before miss brotherton could reopen it she had already passed through the hall and was almost running from the house mary lost not a moment in summoning a servant and ordering the carriage to follow her with all speed an order which was so well obeyed that the unhappy martha was overtaken ere she had walked a mile and gladly did she then avail herself of it for by that time every other painful feeling was merged in the terror of having to explain to her father the cause of her having so parted with miss brotherton as to return unattended and on foot perfect love casteth out fear and perfect fear may perhaps petrify the heart into a sort of unstruggling desperation but a union of the two reduces the mind to a state of slavery the most abject leaving no strength whereby any healthful moral feeling can be sustained martha's whole care on returning home was to satisfy her father that nothing particular had passed in her interview with the heiress and unfortunately for all parties she succeeded miss brotherton meanwhile mounted a little pony phaeton with mrs tremlett and with a heavy heart proceeded to hoxley lane but painful as was her errand her condition was a far happier one than that of martha dowling 
for in her there was no mixture of motives to paralyze every word and act her kind heart sought and found counsel in her sound and upright judgment and sustained by it she executed her task without shrinking a little reflection on the subject convinced her that it was now become her duty to confess to her poor client not only that her exertions to discover the abode of michael had been unsuccessful but that she began to fear that there must be some unpleasant reason for the difficulties thrown in the way of obtaining the information she had sought it required some courage to utter this but when it was done mary was surprised to perceive that its effect both upon the mother and son was very trifling having candidly stated her fears she remained silent the eyes of both being fixed upon her with a sort of quiet hopelessness that was perhaps more painful to contemplate than more vehement demonstrations of grief our thanks are not the less due to you ma'am said the widow gently and don't vex your kind heart by thinking that we are disappointed edward and i guessed true from almost the first that is from when he was taken off without bidding us good-bye sir matthew is known better by his mill people ma'am than by the great gentry that turns their eyes away from labour and sorrow to revel and grow fat upon our graves you would never be like to hear the truth from them and i am told that even now the country round rings with praises of sir matthew's goodness to michael tis better to hear it but it is god's will our portion should be bitter here he has power to make it up to us hereafter and it is there we must fix our hope most sure and most blessed is that hope replied mary fervently yet it should never check our efforts to put to profit the means of happiness he has granted to us here i have now told you the very worst mrs armstrong for i have told you not only all i know but all i fear nor will i again pledge myself to do more than i am quite sure it is in my power to perform i think you will believe me without my talking about it that i shall not give up the search i have undertaken but till some new light reaches us we should but waste our time and wear our spirits by speaking on the subject let us rather think and speak of the welfare of the dear boy that is left you this will be no hindrance to our restoring his brother if it be god's will that we should have the power tell me edward how did you get on at school to-day everybody was kind to me answered the boy that's well dear boy and everybody will be kind to you he looks nicely in his new clothes does he not mrs armstrong he does indeed ma'am and i could almost fancy that he looked better in health already for having left the mill replied the widow and i feel better said edward looking at his mother with his soft thoughtful eyes and i don't think it would be impossible for me to grow well again my boy my boy cried the poor cripple raising herself in her bed and throwing her arms around him should i dare to complain of anything if that were possible but oh teddy wouldn't he have given one of his little hands to see it this appeal which in truth only echoed the thoughts of his own heart overthrew all the courage of edward and his tears again flowed as fast as those of his poor mother a renewal of weakness of which they might have both been still more ashamed than they were had they not perceived that neither miss brotherton nor her old friend had dry eyes mary however was too wise to let this last this dear boy said she has said that which ought to give us all courage i can hardly tell you the delightful feeling which the hope of his restoration to health would give me it would repay me a thousandfold for all the pain i have suffered let us fix our thoughts on this hope and trust me it shall be realized if medical skill and kind treatment can do it it was with this assurance she left them and if any earthly promise could have healed the anguish of the mother's heart 
it would have been this but her two children were so twined and twisted together in her thoughts that meditating upon her hopes for edward inevitably brought her terrors for michael before her and it was but with a fitful sort of satisfaction that the boy dwelt upon his anticipations of being useful to her or that she listened to him two days after this while miss brotherton and mrs tremlett were pursuing their usual morning occupations in the boudoir a servant announced that a lady and gentleman were in the drawing-room had the announcement been of a gentleman alone mary's thoughts would have instantly suggested mr bell for they had been fixed upon him and the hope of his coming through both the preceding days but the mention of the lady puzzled her nevertheless the gentleman was mr bell and no other and the frank and simple kindness with which he said as he led the lady forward to meet her miss brotherton i wanted my wife to know you too rendered the introduction as agreeable as it was unexpected if you and i my dear young lady said he take to consulting together concerning what we may hope and what we may do in aid of the suffering people by whom we are surrounded we shall do well to take this good little woman into the committee for she has probably more practical knowledge of the subject we were discussing when last we met than any other lady you could meet with equally cordial and sincere was the welcome mary gave to her new friends and if sympathy of feeling and a community of interest on a subject of deep importance to them all could have sufficed to make them happy the long morning they passed together would have been one of great enjoyment but they were all too much in earnest to be called happy while dwelling upon the frightful subject to which their thoughts were turned the longer mary listened to those whose lives were passed in struggling to assuage the misery around them and in battling with the horrid principles which produced it the more deeply did she feel that she too was called upon to labour in the same thorny vineyard yet terrible as were the subjects discussed and sad as was the conviction that no power less mighty than that of the law could redress the evils they deplored there was still something inexpressibly soothing to her feelings in finding herself thus in intimate relation with persons who comprehended and shared in the sentiments which had become so essentially a part of herself though her conscience had told her from the first moment her attention had been called to the subject that it was her duty not to turn away from it she had hitherto met little but opposition from those around her and though steadfast and firm in purpose she had often felt heavy in spirit from knowing herself to be alone when she so much wanted assistance and support this oppressive loneliness she could never suffer from again as long as mr bell and his excellent wife were within her reach and fervently did she bless the courage which had led her to their dwelling tidings of poor michael however there were none mr bell had sought information concerning him wherever he thought it possible to obtain them but he had learnt nothing nevertheless he declared himself by no means satisfied that the boy might not be at some one of the bastille-like establishments to which he had applied i know them and they know me too well he said for me to make implicit confidence in any answer they may be pleased to make to any question i may venture to ask if i knew where to find a trustworthy stranger who could not by possibility be recognized by any one as a friend of mine i still think the chances would be greatly in favour of our finding the boy at some of the noted apprenticing establishments which i have named but in truth i know not where to look for such a person am i not such a one cried mary eagerly hardly a creature in the world beyond the town of ashley and its neighbourhood knows me personally and in all such places as those you have named the emperor of all the russias would not be less likely to be recognised but how my dear young lady could you represent yourself with any face of probability as interested in the inquiries you would have to make demanded mr bell methinks mr bell 
replied mary colouring with her own enthusiasm methinks i could carry through an enterprise which had the recovery of little michael for its object with a degree of diplomatic skill that would surprise you it should not be by downright and direct inquiry that i should proceed where such inquiry would be likely to excite suspicion i would only contrive to insinuate myself and my eyes and would ask no questions save what they should answer many strangers travelling desire to see the factories certainly replied mr bell musingly but you are so young to undertake a wandering expedition and then how could you be accompanied your servants would unquestionably announce you everywhere i am older i think than you suppose replied mary and if i undertake this i will be accompanied by mrs tremlett with whom i have no reserves and by no one else you cannot travel without attendance miss brotherton said the clergyman looking at her kindly but as if doubting that she was quite in earnest do not either of you judge me harshly replied the heiress with great earnestness do not set me down in your own judgments as a hot-headed girl indifferent to the opinions of society and anxious only to follow the whim of the moment did i belong to any one i think i should willingly yield to their guidance but i am alone in the world i have no responsibilities but to god and my own conscience and the only way i know of by which i can make this desolate sort of freedom endurable is by fearlessly and without respect to any prejudices or opinions whatever employing my preposterous wealth in assisting the miserable race from whose labours it has been extracted if you can aid me in doing this you will do me good but you will do me none mr bell by pointing out to me the etiquettes by which the movements of other young ladies are regulated i cannot think that i have any right to a place among them and i therefore feel that to check any possible usefulness by a constant reference to the usages of persons with whom i have little or nothing in common would be putting on very heavy harness neither effective for use nor for ornament but something too much of this i must not talk of myself she added cheerfully let us examine the possibility of my setting off with mrs tremlett on a little home tour without announcing the important event to the neighbourhood or taking any servants with me to enact the part of fame behind my chariot by what conveyance would you propose to travel miss brotherton inquired mr bell still looking as an american would say as if he could not realize the scheme mary meditated for a moment and then replied in the first instance if you and mrs bell will permit it we shall go to your house in the same manner as before only carrying with us a small travelling trunk or so such as would be necessary if we were going to pass a week with you on the following morning we would set off by the blank coach in which you will secure places for us at blank we will order dinner and beds like any other travellers and inquire of the waiter what will be the best way of getting a sight of the factories and he will tell you that such and such factories naming precisely those in which there would not be the slightest chance of finding the boy may be seen by application made to mr so-and-so said mr bell mary coloured and seemed about to answer him but either from consciousness that she had nothing very satisfactory to reply or because she had some notion in her head not sufficiently digested to communicate she changed her purpose and instead of combating an objection which seemed almost fatal drew from her pocket a set of little ivory tablets on which she had written the names of all the establishments within a distance of twenty miles notorious for taking apprentices and of retaining them by means that converted the scene of their labour into a most strict and wretched prison-house she read their names aloud these i think were all you mentioned to me said she i think they were replied mr bell 
but to these believe me you will get no admission as a visitor will you admit me as a visitor if i come to you the day after to-morrow mrs bell said the heiress playfully and apparently wishing to waive any further discussion of her projects most joyfully was the kind and hospitable reply then for the rest we must trust to chance and now if you will let me i will show you my pretty garden said miss brotherton rising and taking from a chair by the open window the ever-ready shawl and parasol which made her lawns and shrubberies essentially a part of her dwelling-place of all the fine things i possess i believe i am only truly thankful for this she continued i hardly know how i should pass my life if i had not a garden the garden was indeed one that spoke of its owner's love by a multitude of enjoyable nooks that seemed all courting her approach and by that perfection of elegant neatness which is never found in an equal degree where the mistress is indifferent respecting it to her new friends praises of all this she listened with pleasure and sketched many pleasant plans for future meetings when they should not as they declared unavoidable now remain only while their horse was resting but mary said not a word more on the subject of her purposed expedition till the very moment of their departure and then it was only to remind them that they would see her come with her friend to claim their promised hospitality on the next day but one this was received with renewed promises of a joyful welcome and so they parted the next day was a busy one for mary in the first place she was closeted for at least two hours after breakfast with mrs tremlett and whatever might be the subject of their conversation it appeared to end satisfactorily for when it was over mary embraced her old friend very cordially saying i feel more grateful much more grateful than i have words to express nurse tremlett and never shall i forget your kindness to me after this they drove to the entrance of hoxley lane and walked thence to pay a farewell visit to mrs armstrong and here it was evident that however wild the projects might be which the heiress had conceived she knew how to be discreetly silent concerning them for after bestowing upon the widow a gratuity sufficient to supply all her wants for a longer time than she purposed to be absent she took leave of her saying you will not see me again mrs armstrong for a week or more i am engaged to go from home for that time but i shall take care that edward shall receive as much attention at the school as if i were at home be sure also that my absence will not make me the less mindful of michael neither at home or abroad shall i cease to employ every means in my power to obtain intelligence concerning him to edward whom she visited at the school she gave the same assurance adding an earnest injunction that he should keep in mind the necessity of exerting himself both for the industrious prosecution of his studies and the not less important regulation of his mind on the subject of his brother's absence the welfare of his mother greatly depending upon both weakness of every kind seemed to vanish before the powerful stimulant thus offered and she left her little protege comforted and invigorated by the belief that he had a great duty to perform and that his mother was the object of it the preparations for her own and her friend's convenience during the journey were very simple but they puzzled her maid considerably first it was so very odd that she should be going out upon a visit and take absolutely no dinner dresses at all with her and secondly it was if possible odder still that she should not take her but mary listened to all the hints and innuendoes to which these feelings gave rise with a sort of gentle indifference which was doubtless very provoking till at length she was induced to damp the curiosity which she feared might prove inconveniently active during her absence by saying i am going to visit the family of a clergyman morgan and as much dress will not be necessary i shall not want you 
this was perfectly satisfactory a clergyman's family where much dress would not be necessary was where the lady's maid never did nor never could want to go nothing could have been more judicious than these explanatory words they accorded perfectly with the report of the servants who attended the carriage and so completely satisfied the household that though it was the first absence of so long duration that she had made from her home since she became mistress of it it fortunately led to no gossipings whatever we must not pause to describe the pleasant sociable evening passed by our travellers at the house of mr bell nor even to relate all that was said in the course of it concerning the expedition they were about to undertake every instruction every hint which mr bell believed might be useful he gave clearly and succinctly and not a word of it was lost upon mary End of chapter 21